Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Today's guest is Trey. Trey is a internet friend that I met in real life at the Austin Classic Gaming Expo when DuckFeed.tv came to do a live presentation and had a DuckFeed meetup. Trey's an excellent guy. He's um, a very laid-back dude, but he's very sincere. He talks a lot about his um, some of his addiction problems and how those are related to Dark Souls. So just a heads up if, that, if you're sensitive to those kind of things. Um, I think it's a really good episode all in all. Trey's a musician, and like always, I try to get my musician guest to give me a song so I can put it at the end, and uh, so stay tuned after the credits for Trey's song. As always, if you'd like to be on the podcast, send me an email, dguspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Um, why don't you tell me about the first Dark Souls or From Software game that you played? Well, I, excluding like an old armored core game, which I, I played a little bit of when I was younger. I didn't quite have the attention span for it. Um, I played Dark Souls 2 probably a year or two after it released. What was that, 2011, 12? Mm-hmm. 2011, I believe. Yeah, so... I, no, that's not right at all. Dark Souls 1 was out in 2011, so 2 had to come out in 13. Okay, so yeah, it was probably 2014 that I kind of picked it up and played around with it a little bit. Um, I always had the sneaking suspicion that uh, I wouldn't be able to jive very well with Dark Souls. Uh, for one, I don't know who I was or what was up, what my problem was. I thought it, I thought it looked a little bland, a little boring. Does that make any sense to you? Like that kind of traditional European look, it just seemed so, I guess, textbook and unimaginative, which at the time I was probably watching a lot of anime, a lot of like (laughs) too much flair. Yeah, yeah. Because Dark Souls is very, and Dark Souls 2 specifically, like number one, when that game came out, like the textures were kind of muddy and it didn't look great. But then just the basic design like a lot of it's good but it is very very european fantasy like that's it's that to a t it doesn't branch out of that very often yeah and it just seemed i don't know boring uh to me at the time and kind of uh almost typical in a way that i completely disagree with now (laughs) 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 like to me it, it just seemed so i guess overused um and i don't know it just didn't jive with me but everyone had talked so much sugar about dark souls in general that i i felt like i needed to give it the proper chance despite feeling like it was going to be a little too punishing that because of that punishment i wasn't going to have the attention span to keep failing and i would just put it down and move on and inevitably that's what happened that makes sense yeah (laughs) you just say you just gave it up at that point you didn't really go back to it for how long (sighs) Well, the the big problem was that, like, I would progress, but I would only progress because I had failed enough times. You know, I, I was chopping through people, and eventually they'd stop spawning, and it, it felt really bad to me, because I understood what it was, what the game was doing, you know? It, it was, it would have been rewarding to, to win, but for me, I felt almost, like, cheated of my, of my victory, and almost, like, cheated of my, uh, time to learn it, too, which is kind of contradictory with my whole losing attention with it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't come back until uh, Bloodborne. Okay. So, what's your like at this point? Like, where are you? Are you playing a lot of video games in general? Like, you, you mentioned, like you're watching a lot of anime. Like, are you kind of plugged into video game culture? Like, are you are a bunch of friends telling you things about Dark Souls and stuff like that? Is that why you picked Bloodborne back up, or are you just kind of just like what? What are you doing around this time? Okay, so around this time. I've already gone through, you know, obviously a whole lifetime of phases, but there was at one point the phase of rejecting things that weren't cool. Um, so I was always really into like nerdy stuff when I was young and I was really into this, like I, I had gotten into anime and all that stuff. It was like really just like out there stuff. I got re- I, I love metal gear. I just love that series. And, <laughs> and, uh, as I got 
older, there was this uh, desire to be cool, to feel validated, and to feel like I had made it, I had grown out of my awkward stage, and then now I'm on the other side. Um, at this point, I had kind of bounced back from that, now I'm in the revolt. <laughs> I'm in the, how dare you tell me who to be? But I was also... <laughs> Exactly. I was going through, but I was also going through like a, a whirlwind of, uh, you know, the the twenty somethings. I was sure, early twenties. Yeah. I was uh, just majorly depressed, um, just not feeling that great. And because of it, I would say I was doing a lot. A lot of my activities were less active, um, so video games kind of fell on the chopping block. They they required me to kind of really be plugged in, um, and during my depression, I was uh, like drinking really bad, and I was uh, often uh, blackout like kind of daily. And uh, there was mm-hmm. there's a real disconnect while I was playing because you know obviously I was becoming more and more inebriated, and for the memory afterwards, I couldn't remember where I had gone, what I had done. It didn't you know it didn't matter. So I was probably watching a lot of, like, I still loved video games. I was still a big self-professed lover of the art form, uh, the interactive medium, entertainment. Like, I I thought that there's so much to that. So I was kind of living vicariously through uh, maybe, like, giant bomb videos, probably really into Let's Plays at that time. Um, But it's because I... It talks about video games and, like, looks at video game stuff but doesn't actually play them, which is basically what what I've become now that I podcast about video games. <laughs> exactly. So I was, I had just fallen off. I still cared so much, but just couldn't bring myself to get that interested in anything. But, uh, kind of while I was also screwing off at work, <laughs> I got really into forums. I got really into NeoGAF and kind of chatting with some buddies there. And uh, there was, again, when I talk about my younger self, there was this real crave for validation and acceptance of peers. And, sure, yeah. I yeah. think that's natural for just about anybody in, like, their, like, at any, at any age, really. Like, I mean, I, I think most people are still searching for some sort of validation, whether it's, you know, through internet buds or through real life stuff or, you know, through going to lift 150 pounds <laughs> at the gym or something. Like, it's it's all the same shit that we're all just trying to say, hey, look at me, I'm good. Yeah, please <laughs> and most, notice. And most of us, it's like, hey, dad, hey, mom, look at me, I'm good. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And mom and dad what, didn't care much for video games and, you know, all that jazz. But um, I, got, I had really gotten... Uh, I, it was Metal Gear. It was the Metal Gear NeoGAF sub-community. And they they were real... Like the, They would just seem like real cool guys. And I really... Uh, you know... Try, tried to kind of... Uh, be in the group. And eventually I kind of did. And uh, we moved on to like a, a Telegram app. And we were all, all talking a lot. And it was just Bloodborne, Bloodborne, Bloodborne. And... <laughs> And did this, did the internet stuff, like, did your internet friends and, like, talking about Bloodborne, did that help with the drinking every night and all of that stuff, or were you just kind of carrying that along along with you? It was, it was, uh, took a lot of multitasking. <laughs> there was a lot of probably embarrassing myself in, in these conversations uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as the night progressed. But for the most part, I was active on, at my desktop a lot, um, while I was in the office. So probably the majority of the time I would have been sober and coherent. And then most of the time at night, I'd be like watching videos and kind of checked out. But yeah, uh, yeah there was, there was, uh, yeah, no, it didn't really help. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it was nice to have people to listen to me because they, they did. Yeah. They were, they were good buddies like that. They, they were always willing to lend an ear. It's interesting. Um, my mom was an alcoholic and struggled with alcoholism for, like pretty much as long as I can remember before she passed away um, with, by something that was related to alcoholism. Um, and it was always like, she was a big reader. So she would like stay up all night and drink like three, 12 packs of beer and like read a book. And I like looking back at that nowadays, I'm like, how the fuck did you, did you just read it over and over again? Because like, how could you possibly remember like anything that happened? <laughs> Cause and it, 
like nowadays when me and my wife drink or something and we get you know a little out out of control or whatever like i think like i wake up the next day and i'm like man i've really i don't remember that episode of supernatural like what did dean say to sam at the end i just i I don't remember and like i look I, i think back to my mom and like like her reading a book or like even trying to like, I, and I'm just, when you mentioned it earlier, like you couldn't really play video games. Like you were just watching stuff and just kind of absorbing stuff. Like that's how I picture her of, of just like passively consuming stuff and then maybe possibly remembering it sometimes. Yeah. Just keeping, but because you need distractions, you know, a kind of, to a degree. Um, and maybe, maybe it's the same kind of thing. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, for me it was like also needing to, be plugged in to be unplugged, you know, mm. get my mind off of my stuff, but at the same time, constantly keep it active to do so. So if you get up on a, uh, you said a telegram app, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that, but I'm assuming it's some sort of voice channel. So you and your buddies can talk and it's all bloodborne. Um, at this point, did you have a PS4? Like, are you, do you know, have any idea what they're talking about? Uh, let me think. So at that point, I believe I had a PS4. Um, but I, I don't think I was really playing anything on it. I just needed to have it as a game player. I just needed, I needed the new console. I think I had even bought a Wii U, uh, Xbox one and a PS4 at that point and was hardly playing them. It just was, okay. <laughs> was like, that's what I needed to do mm-hmm. to pay my dues. Um, I'm trying to think what, how the conversation was happening. I, you know, a lot of it was. Dark Souls this, Dark Souls that, and me kind of shying away from it, kind of getting like, I don't know, I don't know, but that there's a couple guys I really respected who who were kind of teasing me about it, and you know, so I, I ran by a red box and I, I picked it up. So at this point, yeah, my PS4 was mostly inactive, but it had purchased. So I'm, I'm assuming that, I'm, and I'm kind of hoping that the the, the the rest of the story is Bloodborne changed your life, right? <laughs> or did you did you click with it, or did you bounce off with it? What happens? Bloodborne eventually changes my life. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I picked it up in ways faster than I thought I would. Um, once I figured out the visceral, which was the conversation everyone has, like. I had just beaten the cleric beast and I was going through the telegram and I just see something about parrying and I'm like, what? I see something about viscerals and I'm like, what? And <laughs> so after reading into that, I'm like, oh, that changes a whole lot. Um, I got, I got to about, I think I got the gas coin um, and okay. put, put it down in, you know, the traditional place. Um, Where you have to figure out parries, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was just brutal. Which, uh, I started a new file because my, my girlfriend loves that game so much, and she had come in when I was about at the One Reborn, my first playthrough, so she hadn't seen the first half. I put down Gascoigne's second try, which, it you know, it's not on my new Game Plus character, it's not like I had any crazy build or anything, it's, it's just as crazy how much you can just learn, you just figure it out. How much of it isn't numbers, it is feel, it is reaction. That's one of the great things about uh, Bloodborne specifically, but like most of the Souls games, is just that you know the skill level is so high. Like you and you and they give you opportunities to kind of cheese your way through, but you can pretty much make that fight as difficult as you want to. And like, mm-hmm. watching people like Lobos do it at you know Blood Level Four Fist only versus you know me going through with like a Soul Level Hundred <laughs> Blood Level Hundred Fifty with like you know crazy gems and just, just smashing them on the head. Like that's one of the things that really. It's, it's really interesting to me about these games, just that they let you be good at them, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. There's, I, that feeling in my stomach I get when I perfectly whiff as they're slashing through it, and I, and I it just, it's the coolest feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, did you ever play Super Smash Brothers at all? Like, no. The, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they, there is some, there's a comparison to be made there of just kind of, Smashes on a two-dimensional plane, but uh, your rolls and your dodges kind of feel that same way. Like, you instinctively dodge right at the right point, and uh, it's just that same rush, that same high to it that is uh, really exhilarating. I guess it's in a lot of of fighting games and, like, character action games, but 
for me, it was the comparison to Smash that I think kind of made things start start clicking. Yeah. So your first playthrough of Bloodborne, are you? Did your friends tell you about the the in the middle twist where the game's kind of reveals itself to be a big Lovecraftian nightmare as opposed to just you know snake men and vampires and werewolves? Well, they didn't tell me so much as I um, once I had decided I was putting the game down. I then went into like the longest wiki dive, months and months of just reading, <laughs> of like consuming, and then being like wait a second, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Why, why did I put this down? <laughs> <laughs> did you go back to it at that point? Or mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get back into the game? Probably like a month and a half. Not not any long stretch of time, but like, it was like, oh. Oh. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> like, this just dawning on me that this is this is where I needed to be. I needed to be spending more time with this game. It was only right. Gotcha. What was, I mean, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to ask the questions of like, cause that's basically like you played a little bit of Dark Souls 2 and then went right to Bloodborne. So this is pretty much your first like real Souls experience. When you picked it back up, did you just like finish it with a bullet? Like, was that all you were doing? Like, were you kind of obsessed with it? Yes, but it took me a long time because I was stinking drunk the whole time. But I, <laughs> it gave me this like godlike patience to... <laughs> just bash my head into a Breedis, uh I would say, like, oh, gotta be over a hundred times of just again and again and reload and again. <laughs> Took me forever to beat a Breedis. <laughs> Fuck that fight forever, man. Like Seriously! I- I've talked about it before, but, like, literally with saves coming, because when I was playing it, like, you can only have 99 blood vials, and that was Oh, it. God. So, like, literally saves coming to, like, upload my save, die a million times, run out of vials, download my save, die a million times, run out of vials, download my save, <laughs> like just over and over and over again. Just so I didn't have to go grind so I could fight her over again. And then hearing people on Twitter say like, Oh, that was really easy. It was no problem for me. Only to find out later they had some sort of weird bug that just caused yeah. them to do a head smash over and over again. Like fuck off. Oh, fuck everybody. <laughs> it's just, just mad. It makes me angry. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of a, uh... Wasn't it Gary who said that that would have been a really cool interpretation? Uh, Gary Butterfield of, like, the idiot god done again? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like the spasming baby that doesn't know what it's doing, basically. Yeah. I like that. Like, um, Bloodborne was one of those games that opened doors for me. Um, when I say, you know, like I hear you say all the time, when you say it changed your life, it feels super hyperbolic, but in, in plenty of ways it did. Like, uh, the networking I did, or the things I started to pursue afterwards, there was something about it that made me feel a little more intellectual than I think I am, <laughs> um, that pushed me to try things I wouldn't have tried before. It, like, I started to read, of course, I started with reading a lot of Lovecraft, and I did. I really put down a lot of Lovecraft. And then a lot of, you know, Lovecraft adjacents. You know, your uh, Robert Chambers, your Mockins, your Dunsonese. And then from there, as you've probably noticed with all of Westworld and Ghost in the Shell being made, that sci-fi is very in. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, I got on a big sci-fi binge. And yeah, it's... Uh, I guess it made me take a little more time to enjoy things. Um, actually sit down and read a book instead of skim a book. Um, I don't know. There, there was just something about it that made me realize that if I didn't like something right away, that that might be okay. And uh, if I wanted to, then I could learn it. Like, anybody can get, Mm -hmm. for the most part, get good at most things. You know, you might be a little prone to be better at one thing or the other, but uh, for me, it was just like, yeah, it it helped me do other things, musically and, and like, books, whatever. You know what I'm saying. I do. Bloodborne changed your life. (laughs) Exactly! (laughs) It, um, like, did you, did you manage to finish the game? Um, 
after like and I, and after that was the DLC out? Like, did you play all of that stuff? Like, did you one hundred percent all of the stuff that there was to do in, in Bloodborne? I got the Gearman, and I didn't finish the game because it was so hard for me the first run. I wasn't sure if I could get to the point of the DLC by the time it came out because at that point I didn't really know where you'd enter it from. Um, which was, wasn't it like right once you find the vicar, Amelia, the, the Lawrence skull on the table or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I put it down at Gearman and mm-hmm. I waited for the DLC to come out. And I think I agree with everyone in saying that probably the biggest high of that game, that, that what a, what a DLC. Yeah, seriously. Like I, I have and, and and probably will again gone on for at length for hours of podcasting at this point about how great just like that, you know, $20, $25 package is like, it's just insanity. Like, it really is. It, I mean, just every single boss, like the areas that what it does to the lore, like I, it's just, it's just phenomenal. I can't get over it. Yeah. Totally recontextualize something, um, that I already felt like it didn't need much more. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like I'm in that same camp. I don't think Bloodborne 2 should have much to do with Bloodborne 1, should there be a Bloodborne 2. Um, I think they should really start playing with the Dreamscape, Dream Logic stuff. Be- that way you can kind of get as far while staying consistent with the rules. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't even did have to see, do... Uh, did you play the DMC remake that came out a few years ago? I didn't. I, play- I think I played a... Um, demo of it yeah i think there was a demo for it there's a level in the main game where you're basically playing through a fox news channel i've heard about this uh they did during the the game of the year deliberations on giant bomb they they talked about that that's so cool cool um it's it's phenomenal and it made me think like immediately um of like what from software can do if they just take off like their the handcuffs of this actually has to be like something in the world. Like if they just go fucking crazy with it, <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't have to be Fox news, but like if you're, if your whole thing is, it's based in a dream, like, <clears throat> excuse me. If your whole thing is that it's based in a dream, then just go wild. Like do the, uh, Yahar ghoul, you know, city like times 10, like you could go crazy with that. Yeah. I was, um, I was, uh, just joking around on Twitter the other day and I found, uh, that, Marvelous Chester from the Artorias of the Abyss DLC, and how he's holding a homeward bone, and how he was pulled into a dimension by, like, pulled into the portal by an interdimensional hand, which pretty much all of it you can chalk up to callbacks or call forwards. I'm sure they were they were already conceptualizing Bloodborne, so he was probably a, an Easter egg. But this this idea that uh, the Artorias of the Abyss is just a different dreamscape. It's just a fun little thought experiment to think like the hand just pulled him there instead of to the hunter's nightmare. Uh, he's got a bone that teleports him around. He's got his Victorian garb on. <laughs> he's wearing a fucking top hat. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> just straight up a top hat, which you've never seen before. Like up until that point in dark souls, none of the head gear has ever made like sense. <laughs> it was just like, you know, whatever. Like it was just stuff. <laughs> it was like exactly. armor and stuff. <laughs> or you know, like or like something that a maiden would wear. Like there's some of that the robes and stuff in there, or the Xanthos crown. Yeah, or or, or which is also in its in its way like its own callback, the custard head. I have a lot of opinions on Xanthos scholarships. Apparently, I haven't. Been- oh, we're we're gonna get into that once once we get started talking about Dark Souls one. I want you to um I want you to regale the the listeners with your um. <laughs> <laughs> with, your, with your sport talk, with the shroom talk. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, like, it, I was just like, oh, it all makes sense. I was, I was the, I was the Gary Butterfield character. Of <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. But go ahead. Um, I'll, I don't particularly get into it, but I, uh, I'm definitely guilty myself in fiction of wanting things to be t- tied together. That was a, a real big appeal for me. Reading Stephen King as like a teenager is that, especially with the Dark Tower, like things like little tiny touchstones that, that he would put in those books that kind of connected them. And so they were all in the same world. And uh, people do that with the souls games too. Like there's, there's theories out there that demon souls is what happens after bloodborne and that dark souls is leading up to the events of demon souls. Like those kind of things. I don't you know, go ahead. I don't really dig it. <laughs> like yeah, not, it doesn't need real, to happen. 
yeah, I don't really need it to happen, but I'm glad that like, cause I can definitely see like 18 year old Jeremy or like 16 year old Jeremy, like playing these games and definitely getting way off into that of like reading through the wikis and going like, well, this is a connection to this, which means that Boletaria is actually da 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 da. So I'm glad I'm, people are still doing that. Yeah. I'm, I'm into the whole, like I could get into the idea that they were all like in the same multiverse or something like that. You know, that mm-hmm. that could work for me. They don't need to be all, like, one easy, clean storyline. But for, like, with all, with all the things you can do with Bloodborne and all these different dreams and all these different states of reality, uh, that ethereal glow that happens in Demon Souls all the time, uh, like, that's kind of cool for me with dream logic. Or, you know, it's like, it could... I think it could work, but I don't think it needs to, and I don't think it ever needs to be confirmed only like winked at and you know wink yeah. wink nudge nudge what if yeah it's again it's just something fun to think about but it, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything like if dark souls 2 is just a dream is a hunter's dream from bloodborne like that doesn't change anything that happens in dark souls 2 for me like that doesn't change <laughs> that game at all it doesn't all change dark souls that, like, 3 either yeah exactly like it doesn't change anything <laughs> it's just a, it's just a weird thing to think about <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think they ever considered anything in Dark Souls two to matter that much. That's true. In fact, in Dark Souls three, they go out of their way to make fun of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Um, I just realized we've been sitting here for like thirty minutes and on talk, only talk about one video game. Uh, so after Bloodborne, um, and Bloodborne, you kind of mentioned that Bloodborne kind of changed your life. You start realizing like other things. At what point did you go back through the Dark Souls games? Uh, uh, Dark Souls three. So I. Picked up Dark Souls 3, played it, was not, uh, didn't have the same satisfaction that I got from Bloodborne. Um, just wasn't itching this, scratching the same itch. All in all, I think at this point it's because it, after playing the rest of the games, I think it lacks a Aldia or a Frampt or a um, Hunter's Dream. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. there's, there's this lack of a bigger, like a, 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 character who you can't understand um who has a plan that mm-hmm. it just lacks that something big and great um and, and this person you're constantly looking to going like i don't know what you are what you do but there you are uh, what's your plan for me well i guess we'll figure it out uh i think it i think it kind of that kind of sucks a little bit of it out uh it's sure. just all mm-hmm. it's all like I don't know. The the mist. It doesn't seem as transcendent in a way. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the word I'd use. Let me let me pitch this at you. Do it. I re- I really feel like uh, Eldrick, however you say that name. Yeah. Is it, it could be, and I hope deal the DLC two goes into this. You know, <laughs> Krusty's coming, guys. Krusty's coming. <laughs> um, but I really feel like he can be the. The, the the best he could have been like that kind of orchestrator character like Pont there's some there's some things in there where Pontiff Sullivan is but like imagine instead of fighting um it is Eldrick right or what is what is the guy's name Aldrick um, Aldrick thank you yeah, yeah I knew I was saying that wrong I just couldn't think of how um, you were getting Aldrich and and Eldrich and all yeah imagine the big gooey Gwendolyn boss as as opposed to being in, in Orlando like is at the end of the game and he's big gooey Gwen boss. Like, yeah, I think that would have been fucking rad as hell. Like that would have been super cool. Although, again, just a, another callback. So I'm sure, like it, and I don't know how it would have played out. But I agree with you totally. Like the the game is just like kind of lacking emphasis, especially at the end game. Or yeah, there's just like no, there's no nothing to really. I don't know. I got to I got past Anne Orlando, and that was my last like Lord Soul or whatever, and was like what. I kind of don't care now. <laughs> like going through Lothar yeah. Castle, just and then that the areas afterwards, I was like, "Ugh, I'm so fucking tired of these bosses with multiple health bars and all this other stuff." Like, I think I was worn out with the game at that point. Same with me. Like, I it it just lacked it lacked the momentum and it it lacked a, like a I don't know. Like, there's mysteries in Dark Souls Three, but uh, as everyone has said over and over, they're just not the same kind of mysteries. Um, they're. It doesn't feel like there's this big plan in front of me that I don't understand because I haven't put the pieces together. Again, the popular thing to everyone's saying, but it's like I got half of the puzzle box. Like I went to a garage sale, picked up a puzzle, 
and it just doesn't have the rest of the pieces. But then they're like, hey, guess what? We'll sell you these the rest of this puzzle as DLC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded, I can't remember the name of the game, but there was some, like, anime as hell video game. That, cool. Um, man, I can't remember the name of it. It's going to bug me. But, like, you you were basically just, like, a like a big fighter dude and, like, had to kill, like, planets and stuff. Like, it was way over the top. And crazy. Azura's Wrath? Azura's Wrath. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> big fighter dude where you have to hit planets. Like, like I said, is Azura's Wrath.txt. Uh, that, is just, but, that is just an anime that you kind of play. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Like that's I'd never even I don't think I'd I've I haven't I haven't seen more than like three I'm gonna say thirty minutes of anime in my entire life, right? And I was like, this is anime as fuck. <laughs> like oh, I know yeah. exactly what this is. But like there's a DLC for that game that is basically the end part of the story, which kinda sucks. I'm glad they don't do that in Dark Souls three, but because that was a little shameless. It, I do I they kinda do though. Um I don't know. I just like I understand what the last boss is, but there's something always about, like, going into a boss room and it just being some kind of, like, I, amalgamation or some kind of, like, other threat. Like, I get what it is. Have, have you ever played any Final Fantasy? No. Oh, well. To completion? I, yeah, I finished, I think I finished 10. I don't remember if I finished 10 or I got to the last boss in 10 and was like, fuck this, I'm done. Um <laughs> And I've I started seven because I was streaming seven for a while and uh and I was gonna do like a let's play of not a let's play but like a this is me my first time I guess that is a let's play of seven and I got to like the open world area where you get like a like like get the first area after the first city and I was like okay I just don't have enough time to do this and I stopped so yeah that in in four specifically Final Fantasy four there is this big turn at the end where you approach you fight the last boss and it's like no they were really possessed by the essence of like malice and it was just like this big fourth dimension like eldritch abomination in outer space because by the way at this point you find out that you moon people and you fly a giant lunar whale to the moon whatever it's a crazy game um but yeah you end up fighting this big space alien that's just malice and this it just didn't feel like i was invested in an enemy um not Lothric, not the Lord of Cinder. Like, all of that just kind of felt, like, dull. Like, it just didn't, it didn't, I didn't feel victorious. Sure. And that's how Soul of Cinder made me feel. Like, finishing that game, getting to that boss, and, like, seeing what it was. Like, I just, I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad to be done with this, so I can maybe go back and play the beginning of the game and have more fun. <laughs> yeah. But the the only problem with that is that it just makes me feel like when was the great part? Like there are things I really like about that game that I have a lot of fun, but there's no part that just has stuck with me. There's no like, uh, I don't know. Um, there's no after Blood Moon moment for me. It yeah yeah I see what you're saying. There's no there's none of that uh, like you place the Lord vessel and the orange. Fog gates went down, right? Like there's no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, was from Dark Souls three. You finished it, and then thankfully it didn't put you off the game entirely. Um, and if I remember correctly, like this is where you and I started kind of talking to each other on Twitter and stuff, and on Duckfeed and on like the Duckfeed Slack or whatever. Because I remember you kind of playing through Dark Souls three, and then you went. Did you go all the way back to Demons, or did you go right to Dark Souls one after that? I went to two. Um, you went to two. Okay, I played it backwards. Um. And I, I think at this point, when I started playing Dark Souls 2, which, by the way, I did like 3 a lot. It just, after Bloodborne, it's just not Bloodborne. Um, which is not fair of a standard to hold it to, but whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, they're the ones that made Bloodborne. It was it, their fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like Metal Gear Solid 5. It's like, you made Metal Gear Solid 2, so we know you can do it. Um, oh, see, we can we can get off in the weeds, because... Like Metal Gear Solid Five is like number one, the only Metal Gear Solid game I've ever played to completion, and also the only good Metal Gear Solid game. So. <laughs> it's, it plays really well. I, I, that's probably the game I'd go back and play first for playing. But uh whatever. Um, anyway, sorry. That, this isn't. Um, don't give up, Snake. It's don't give up Skeleton. So, <laughs> oh, man, don't I, give up Snake would be a great Metal Gear Solid podcast name, wouldn't it? Oh my! <laughs> I just thought of it. My favorite one, and I, I had told uh, Gary and Cole, and I don't. I dibs, by the way, but we came up with uh, Revolver Talks a lot, 
which is nice. Very nice. <laughs> his name's already Revolver Ocelot. Revolver talks a lot. That's all the game series does is just talk all the time. But um, Dark Souls Two, I came into that with the mindset of this is the re- the um, unfavorable Dark Souls game. Nobody like it's it, there was so much crap talked about it that I was immediately defensive of it <laughs> while I played it. <laughs> like yeah, this is good. Um, but in retrospect, I don't really want to go back and play it. So that's probably the more honest feeling <laughs> after my knee jerk defensiveness over it. What was your uh, experience with Dark Souls Two like? Having a couple of games under your belt, like did you realize like, oh shit, this is was this is what I was missing the entire time? Was were um <sighs> what I was, were we trying to say Aldia earlier, and we said Aldrich? Or were you talking about Aldrich? I was talking about Aldrich. Okay, yeah, I wasn't okay. trying to say Aldia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my brain broke there. Um, God, Aldia's cool. Um, I think that's kind of what I ended up liking about that story so much. Um, was I kind of liked it as a little story, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in this world. Um, so I kind of liked what that added. I don't remember what she just asked me. What'd you say? <laughs> what was uh at, like going back to Dark Souls Two, a game you had played for a little bit and then stopped playing, and then now coming back to it with a couple of games under your belt? Like, what was that experience like going through it? Easier, um, way easier. Okay. Yeah, a lot easier. Um, I, but it also gave me kind of my first real Dark Souls experience. The first time I played through Dark Souls Three, I played it a lot like Bloodborne, a lot of dodging, kind of a light shield. Uh, in Dark Souls 2 and 1, I played with a very heavy shield um, and was extremely defensive whenever I found out that Dark Souls 2 was not going to play like Bloodborne. Um, I wasn't going to just be leaping around the same way. Um, so, uh, I had good momentum. The only thing I ever kept doing would be like, I missed the bell in the the wharf to call the ship that took me a while so i had to look oh, that yeah, yeah. had to look that up it was it was almost like just small things that i missed by not being as uh not paying as much attention instead of like any like difficulty wall i don't think i really ever got too stuck anywhere and also at this point i wasn't summoning because I still don't think, despite it being my third game, I still don't think I totally figured that mechanic out. Yeah, I, I got stuck in Dark Souls 2, and I think this was just because it was on the 360, and the textures were kind of muddled, like I mentioned earlier. Like, the the switch that you have to open to get into uh, the wharf, like, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or to get into uh, the Hades, or whatever. I'm really bad at remembering Dark Souls. <laughs> I should prepare this. The I should Hades. prepare for this more. Uh, the Hades. The Hades. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Um, but the uh, like, just trying to find the switch to open up the door that's right next to it. Like, I just could not find that for some reason. Like, there's a lot of weird little stuff that it's, I think is easy to miss. Like the the hex merchant that you meet on the way to the Huntsman's Cops. Like that dude's just in a little corner by himself. You can easily walk past that dude and just never pay attention to him, especially again on the 360 because the 360 version was ugly. Where is he? On the way to the Huntsman's Cops. See, I don't know him. <laughs> he's like he's like sitting in a chair. You get the uh, oh the, like the, yeah yeah. I, I don't remember his name, but yeah, that dude. Is he the dark man? Yeah, he's the dark guy. Well, he's not. He's not Grandall. Like he's not the dude in the wheelchair that likes. But he's like the dude that gets you access to Grandall, more or less. Uh oh oh. Okay, I know what you're talking about. He's just kind of like looking at a wall. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, he's just staring at a wall, like not doing anything. No. Uh, yeah, that that game set up this expectation that I was going to run into a lot more NPCs, and I thought that that was going to be pretty neat. Um, I didn't really care about any of them towards the end i just i sound like i'm just talking talking crap about dark souls this whole time <laughs> well i mean if you just want to turn this into a bloodborne love fest like that wouldn't be the first time on this podcast or <laughs> or any other podcast really i don't mean to i seriously I, I can't even i think it's because i played dark souls one last and it was just obviously the best one um but let's see i really liked all the all the stuff and kind of the possibilities i really like the idea of the third option Outside of the cycle, mm-hmm. uh, 
to actually that, break the cycle, which is what I thought they were going to do in Dark Souls 3. <laughs> yeah, I'd be cool. Like, at this point, I still wish, in a way, that Aldia had something to do with some stuff. But how could they not just ham-fist it at this point? Like, just shove it all... Like, it would be so unsatisfying because they they didn't lay any groundwork for that. If it ended up being Aldia at this point, it would just be like, surprise! But I, I wish there was something there. That'd be cool. And then, before we jump into Dark Souls 1, are you, like, in the back of your head, is this when you're kind of starting to think about your fungus lore theory that I love so much? <laughs> Um, no, that didn't start until after Grand Archives came on Don't Give Up Skeleton. Okay. Because that was the jumping off point for, it was, she mentioned some questions about Rosaria and about Yellowfinger High School, and then that's what started the Mad Descent. (laughs) And, uh, for those out there that may not remember, uh, Grand Archives is the Twitter handle of Fiona, who was episode like 20, I think, who just kind of like came on the show, sent me an email and said, I've got a lore theory I want to run past you, and then came on the show and kind of like just blew me up. I was like, what? The, what? what? Exactly. <laughs> so that, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I heard that episode and it was it was cool kind of feeling like an early listener because I was hearing somebody talk about things that nobody else was hardly hearing yet. Um, yeah. So it got me really excited to kind of like, share the show a lot and tell all my friends like listen there's this is something cool this gets people involved this gets people talking this gets people who would never get in front of a mic talking into a mic and you hear these new perspectives it brings back that idea that dark souls is a water cooler conversation it's not just a, a forum conversation there's there's room for somebody whose name i've never heard before in my life to come and say something they don't need to be uh which you know, I love the guys' videos. They don't need to be Vadi. They don't need to be Epic Name Bro. They don't need to be somebody who I'm... They don't need to be, even be Bonfire Side Chat. They just need to have an experience and a perspective. And if they sit down, then you might hear something cool. And that was one of the neatest things about finding this podcast and listening to these people. And I went for trying to make those connections, rubbing, like getting to know people, getting to know people who knew things and talk with them because it was easy. They were, they hadn't done it much either. They wanted somebody Mm -hmm. to talk to just as much. And, uh, for me, that was a, a really cool thing. It's fun making dark souls friends. It is down to. Yeah. Well, I um, I mean, we've teased it a couple of times. Can you, can you kind of walk us through your, your fungus theory? And you don't have to get, you can go in as in depth or as you want to. I just, you've posted a lot about it on Twitter where we follow each other. And yeah. um, so I've seen it in kind of bits and pieces. I don't know that you've like officially written anything up about it or not. Um, if you did, I'll include it in the show notes or whatever, but can you kind of give us a, a breakdown of what, how you came across this idea and like what you were doing to, fill, to flesh it out? Yeah. So I had, I made the connection, which the game makes for itself, which I didn't realize it had of like the hats do look like mushrooms. And then I thought about the place you find uh, the Golden Scroll next to where Heisel spawns next to those uh, those fungus creatures who look like um, the ones you find in Elucio. And mm-hmm. I kind of kind of started to go, okay, well, where can we build a bridge from that to? And that took me to thinking about Priscilla and where the Xanthos King Jeremiah was. And uh, his proximity to Priscilla and half-dragons and whatever they have people want. Because, uh, you know, they, they're, they're a Shanalot who, outside of the cycles, she was immortal. I think there, there is something about humans and dragons sharing some kind of kinship that has to do with immortality because of the curse and... Whatever. Uh, but the as I, as I thought about it more, I kind of wondered, well, why does that fungus... You, you, do you know what fungus I'm talking about? There's two examples of it in the game. Um, there's a fungus that grows on the back of Osiris, or Osiris, or whatever you want to call him. And then there's the fungus that grows on a demon in Smoldering Lake. Mm-hmm. Have, you ever, have you ever seen that? The stalks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, they're the only two examples in the game, and whatever 
something is in pairs like that and not used anywhere else, it makes you think, well, there, there should be something significant about this. Um, this has to mean something, right? I guess. Um, so I started wondering, well, what did Osiris have? They had was uh, Ocelot, his half-dragon child, who was possibly invisible in his arms. Um, and linking that motivation of the two, of Santos King Jeremiah and of Yellowfinger Heisel, I started to wonder, well, what is it about these half-dragons that they might both pursue? So, uh, hmm. <laughs> I, I didn't really prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I put you on the spot with this question, didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so I, I started to also have more recently thought about like the those wretched things that are in Irithyll Dungeon um, that kind of look like half Osiris, half human infant things clinging on the walls that are non-hostile. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's that one that is hostile. They kind of look like um, half-converted dragons, as I've heard some people bring up. Um you also find some Xanthos Scholar stuff there. Um, I can't remember what it is exactly. But kind of tracking that people kind of seem to repeatedly show up around Half-Dragons. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of trying to draw a connection to that. From there, I think I kind of started connecting everything to Mushrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because... <laughs> um, but the, there, I think there is something... There. There's also, if you look below an Ash Lake, one of the few creatures there running around are those little mushrooms. Uh, there's the Hydra, which would be related to the dragon. Mm-hmm. And then there's the stone trees, and then there's these mushrooms. Uh, and if you look at things like, um, you read some of the spell descriptions of the light magic that comes from Elusio. I don't know. I'd, I'd need to, I need to get some kind of more official, more concise version of this, or to have thought about it in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, in the several DMs and emails that we exchanged leading up to this, I ca- probably would have mentioned that I wanted you to talk about it, so that was totally on my fault. <laughs> You'd also think that, since I talk about it all the time, that I would have, <laughs> I would have some confidence in what I was saying. I do have a written version of it somewhere. Oh, do you? Okay. Well, um, let me know where that is if it's online somewhere, and I'll make sure that I'll link it so yeah. people can go read it. And um, well, like we're we're kind of running up on time just a little bit, but before we get uh, before we get off the show, before we could turn this loose, um, what was like? You mentioned that Dark Souls One was the best game. So after playing Bloodborne and then three and then two and then picking up one for the first time, like, kind of tell me about your experiences through that game. Cause it's probably one of my, it's probably my favorite game of all time, even though I, I like playing Bloodborne more at this point, I think it's, it's funny to think about. I think it's the interconnectedness. It's the fact that you could get lost and find yourself eventually somewhere you've already been and realize it was there all along. Um, which I also started with the master key. So I think I stumbled into some places. Maybe I should not have been, um, but it was it was that whole kind of just open, mysterious feel. Everything felt kind of uncharted, and um, like I was a visitor in a strange land. Um, so that that was a really cool feeling. And then also as which the the coolest part is kind of that interconnected part is kind of also the least interesting part in a way. It's where things are still kind of. Typical, the grand mystery hasn't kind of been dropped on you. You haven't seen Anerlando, you haven't seen the Primordial Serpents, you haven't seen all that. But once that moment happens, and everything unfolds, you feel like you learned something. I used the word transcended earlier, but kind of that idea of like, you get this hint that there's more. You get this idea, this drip feed of, there's more you can know, there's more you can discover. Just go go take a peek over those mountains. Um, And that unveiling even though i've already spent hours watching youtube videos about it even though i've already talked its ear off there's still something that was miraculous about it um the first time i went to anerlando and saw it pop over that wall i still kind of got that that feeling um and then i think it's really clever how uh they they're 
the gods just want you to believe that everything's in ruin, but they still have it all together. Um, they're still fine. They've still got all their ducks in a row. And then you make one thing change, and that's all a sham, too. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing's okay. Not even the salvation of the gods can help you now. Um, no. <laughs> and in fact, they're selfish. They're they're drowning you so they can stay in power. And I don't. There's something so resonant about that. You could compare that to human nature. Um, like I, I just think it's a story you can learn a lot from, even though all the creatures are mythical and mystical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I mean, like, it's there's some like human stories in there that are buried like at the at the heart of this thing, including like you know somebody trying to keep like look at Gwendolyn, like trying to keep his father's dream alive with, with all these crazy weird illusions and like literally living in his father's tomb, like in his father's like death shadow. Like that's that's there's a powerful thing there that like you know hey you should probably like go of your dad man like you should just move out of the house. He wasn't he wasn't even the favored child and yet he's the loyal one. The yeah. only loyal one. Yeah. Like the, you know, we if if Nameless King is actually, you know, his firstborn, then that dude just fucked off with the dragons. Uh, Gwen ran off with a whole different god. Like, she went to, you know, Tinder for gods and then found <laughs> another fire dude and took off. That's <clears throat> so, yeah, like the only, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, the one that's probably the most forsaken by Gwen is the one that stuck around the, the longest. <clears throat> Which, of course, other games give you more interpretation because if... Dark Souls 3 does end up being, as it seems it would be, Kath is the Sable Church, and Frampt is the Lothric line, and the Lothric line is actually Guinevere, then that's actually cool. That makes me like Dark Souls 3 again, because it means that there was (laughs) these shadow puppeteers all along, and the whole time I was questioning, where are the primordial serpents? What's going on? Why does this matter? And then, boom, if you drop that eggshell of, no, they actually had whole nations under their control doing theater for them, like, that's cool again, but they can't, they can't mess it up. Like you got to land it. Either do it right or don't do it. <laughs> well, Trey, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, I don't remember when we first discussed this. I'm imagining it was around the time that I met you in Austin for the duck feed thing, which was a great time. We didn't uh, even mention that. How cool. Yeah, I know you're, you and your girlfriend were lovely people. We watched a live watch out for fireballs. That, <laughs> yeah. That was had a soundtrack of a heavy metal band, so that was always really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I think Gary was about to die. Yeah, he looked very poor. <laughs> he looked very poor. Poor Gary, man. I don't. <laughs> that dude looked. I mean, the night before we 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 had a lot of uh, drinks and a lot of bad. And he, I don't so, think like, he does that very often. Like, I don't think I he does that do. to that extreme very often. Yeah, hell, I don't either. Like, we got we got. We, you were like, did. you kept running over to me and be like, hey, what are you doing? We're going on a pub crawl. <laughs> and, and then I found you like eight hours later and you're like, still going. <laughs> I'm like, that is a guy to know. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, that, that, that crew, like the Sean and Paul and, uh, well, Brian was around, but he was working a lot. But, um, like that crew just, it, I, it was really nice just having everybody gel and just all would be friends all of a sudden. Anyway, Absolutely. Um, thank you again for coming on the show. Tell people on the internet where they can find you if they would like to. Uh, well, you can find me at Bashful Trey. Um, clever little Dark Souls 2 reference for the for the famous Bash Ray with his binoculars. Yep. Um, also, if you would like, you can... Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter, um, and you can listen to my stuff for free at uh, www.handsomeransom, H-A-N-D-S-O-M-E, R-A-N-S-O-M, handsome, ransom, dot bandcamp.com. That's www.handsomeransom.bandcamp.com. Also known as the world's longest URL address. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Don't give up skeleton.com. Like, slash, <laughs> don't give up. I don't even know if I, I don't think I've bought that. Um, yeah, I've listened. I've listened to some of your stuff since uh, we started talking about this. And as opposed to the usual Demon Souls character creation music, um, I'll have one of your songs like at the end of this after the credits. So stay tuned for that. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. The podcast is also on Facebook and on Tumblr and even Instagram where I post like short clips. So if your attention span is basically non-existent and you can only handle about 30 to 60 seconds of podcasting at a time, Instagram.com slash don't give up skellies is where to find me. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening and remember, don't give up skeleton.
They found you lying on the willow. The branches your pet leaves your pillow. The city is a mess. What are you supposed to do? That's how they found you. The earth never asked what your cause was. She turned your eyes. To the cosmos, she never asked, "What are you supposed to be?" Only, what do you see? And when you smile. Will you smile wide to win the tears back from your blue eyes? You only love the ones who needed love. God, that's everyone. Everyone.